Welcome to Align and Hustle. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, personal brand expert, mom, wife, and entrepreneur. I'm turning 50 this year, so things just got real. I have a new perspective and I'm all about reinvention, making midlife my new life. Through inspiring conversations with my incredible guests, I'll be sharing and finding ways to help you align with what matters most and take action towards creating a life you love. Are you ready to make the rest of your life the best of your life? Let's do this. Well, hey there, beauty. Welcome to another episode of the Align and Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, and I'm so happy to have you here with me again today. Today, I am feeling so grateful on so many levels. First, because today is the third part of my power series. I have had the opportunity to share with you two amazing powerhouse women, Natasha Kaufman and Jesse Golden, both who have built incredible personal brands and businesses, and their inspiring stories have motivated you. I have received so many beautiful messages this month, and I would like to share one with you. Kristen writes, the episode with Natasha was so inspiring and really hit home. I don't know how to explain it, but somehow everything I ever need to hear comes through your podcast at the exact moment I need to hear it. I am so grateful to you and these conversations. Kristen, thank you so much for these beautiful words. Your review made my week. And if you haven't had a chance to rate or review the show and you find value or inspiration, motivation, or the show resonates with you in some way, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes. Reviews help the show to grow, to reach more people, and they mean the world to me. I read every single one. So again, thank you, Kristen, and thank you to everyone who has left a review for the show and for your kind messages. Which brings me to the other reason I am so grateful. Today's episode is absolutely effing fabulous. Okay, I'm swearing and you'll understand why in a couple minutes. My business coach, Kim Constable, sits down with me and we talk about everything brand building and what it takes to become rich. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kim Constable is the sculpted vegan. She has built a multi-million dollar empire from her kitchen table while homeschooling four children. I kid you not. I can absolutely guarantee that you will be completely captivated, inspired, and motivated by this woman. I have been following Kim for years. Her story, her entrepreneurial journey has been lighting my path. Two years ago, I had the incredible opportunity to be part of her Platinum Mastermind, where she was my business coach for six months. That opportunity... Investing in myself and my business at that level has forever changed me. And I know it has changed the trajectory of my business. She is a wealth of knowledge. She is the definition of powerhouse. For those of you who don't know, Kim Constable started as a vegan yoga teacher who turned competitive bodybuilder at the age of 37 when she decided to enter her first bikini competition. You will soon realize that what Kim puts her mind to, she will achieve. She not only won the first competition, but six more in two years. Her company, The Sculpted Vegan, was born from that journey. Kim continuously develops innovative programs that deliver insane results and generate over $400,000 in revenue per month. Kim has been interviewed by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. She has a TED Talk with over 1 million views. She runs her team and global business from Belfast, Northern Ireland. So if you have little ones in the room, today is the day that you should listen wearing earbuds because there is some (laughs) F-bombing. She has over 600,000 Instagram followers. She is fierce and she is fiercely intelligent. She is bold. She is brilliant. 
And what most people don't know, she is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. We talk about all things, business, money, freedom, marriage, self-awareness, values, nothing, beauty, body, nothing is off the table in this conversation. There are so many lessons in this episode. I know what it's like listening to podcasts. You get these aha moments and um, you forget everything once the episode is over. So I will, again, be compiling a PDF download for my insiders that will share all of the lessons and aha moments from Kim, but also I'll be adding some of my insights that I've gained from working with Kim and spending time with her. If you like, if you would like access to this PDF download, please go to www.kathyspence.com forward slash subscribe to become an insider and get on that list so that you can make your dreams a plan. This is perfect entering into, you know, goal setting and planning for the year ahead. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my beautiful friend, Kim Constable. Kim Constable, I am so happy to see your face today. How are you doing? I'm doing so good and even better for seeing you, Kathy. This is an absolute joy. I am just so happy that you took some time out of your very, 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 very busy schedule. <laughs> well, is, I think it's been, it's a long time in the making, hasn't it? This interview it has. <laughs> it was like I've the been first time for I've been for months, months, months. And I'm so excited. I just, last night I was telling my husband, it's Kim's on tomorrow. <laughs> I see Kim. Um, so I wanted to start because this month I'm focusing on powerful brands and you have built this multi-million dollar online platform. but And looking at, if someone was to find you on Instagram or if someone was to look at your website, they would see this strong, gorgeous, powerful, fierce, fabulous woman that just, you know, looks, looks just so in her element. And like, you just got it together. Like, I want to be you, which is why I think <laughs> your brand has been so successful, but a lot of people would not know that you started as a stay at home, homeschooling mother of four. And they don't know that you're brilliant, by the way, because I know that you're so well-read and you're so articulate and so intelligent and all the things I could say about you because I love you so much. Um, But you wouldn't get that by just looking, you would just look at you and say, wow, this is a kick-ass, powerful businesswoman killing it online and in the fitness industry. So I'd like to go back because you didn't start that way. And a lot of people now after COVID and a lot of women are rethinking their lives and where they are. And I really think that you would be such an inspiration to them if they heard your origin story. So can we go back to where you started? Of course. And thank you so much for saying such lovely things about me, by the way. I still do feel like a wee bit whenever people (laughs) describe me in that way. I'm still a wee bit like, oh, it just still makes me a wee bit uncomfortable. I have to be honest. I haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, (laughs) yeah, I haven't gotten to that point yet. But um, I should just be gracious and say thank you. Thank you so much. That's very sweet. What would you like to know? Where do you want me to start? So I want to start at, you you know, people don't know you were a stay at home mom. You homeschooled four children because you're brilliant. And that doesn't mean letting your kids just stay home from school and stay on gaming. Like you were involved in that homeschooling. You did the laundry, you cooked, you cleaned, you did everything. The only thing that you were reliant upon was your husband's income, right? He Mm -hmm. paid the bills, you ran the house. And then now you have this empire. So let's, where was there a pivotal moment there that you just said, like, I'm doing that. Like what, what was the trigger for you? How did you get from there to here? It's funny because I've always wanted to be, um, I, I mean, I, I don't actually, I'm not shy about saying it. I always wanted to be rich. I always wanted to be wealthy. I didn't necessarily always want to be successful as such. I just always wanted to have money because for me, money has always represented freedom. I don't know where I started thinking that. I don't know where that became a belief of mine. 
Uh, certainly whenever I was younger, you know, we had a very middle class, upper middle class upbringing. We went to boarding school. My dad had a very successful business. My mom didn't work when we were younger. She stayed at home to take care of us until we went to boarding school. And I went when I was eight. So I certainly didn't want for anything as a child. It wasn't like I was brought up in poverty in any way, but for sure, I just knew that there were things in life that I wanted for myself. And I I wanted to be able to go to, you know, really nice restaurants and take really luxurious vacations and buy gorgeous cars or just, I, you know, I really did want to be able to live the wealthy lifestyle. So if you call me shallow if you want, but I definitely I used to read these books when I was younger, you know, like Jilly Cooper novels. You probably don't have Jilly Cooper in, in Canada. Um, but you know, Jackie Collins and Joan Collins, all yeah. these kinds of things, you know, like Jackie Collins novels. So I used to read all those kinds of novels when I was younger and they were all like massively wealthy. And and that was the kind of lifestyle that I aspired to. But I, I guess whenever I was younger, I thought that the way to have the quickest way to have that lifestyle was to marry rich. I'm not even kidding. I was like, whenever I grew up, I'm going to, and it wasn't like I was a, you know, it wasn't like I was one of these, you know, silly little girls who was like, you know, oh, I just want a sugar daddy, you know. And I, no, I definitely wasn't like that at all. But I did. I was like, okay, so on one hand, it's like I almost, it's almost like I have two sides of my crack, right? On one side, I have the. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to be, no man is ever going to, you know, not no man is ever going to take care of me, but I'm going to be successful and wealthy and, you know, in my own right. And then there was the other side, which was, well, yeah, you could do that. And that seems like it kind of would be a lot of work or you could just marry a rich man and you could have everything you want marrying a rich man. So I think, you know, for certainly a lot of females that I've spoken to, maybe they aren't as overt about it as me. Um, I think a lot of women have that. A lot of women, because here's the here's the wonderful thing about women, Kathy, is we actually have that choice. A lot of men don't, right? Not a lot of men. Men don't. Men are brought up with the belief that when they get older, they're going to have to, you know, grow up, get a job, provide, pretend, get provide, get married. And that is going to be their, that's their lot in life. They don't have they're they're not ever thinking, oh well, I may you know, get a job or I might just marry a rich woman. They, that isn't how yeah. men are brought up to think. Whereas for women, we are brought up with the knowledge that we have a choice. You can work for yourself or you could marry and choose not to work and stay at home and raise the kids if obviously your husband has a good enough job to be able to pay for that. So we definitely have, we're brought up knowing we have that choice. And so um, I guess I always thought, you know, I will, okay, you know, I, I'll, I'll probably work for it myself. And I, and I, 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 I definitely gonna make myself successful. But I always kind of was open to the possibility that I could just meet a really rich man and marry him, and you know, and and that would be the end of it. Now, I did date some very rich men in my time, and honestly, most of them are assholes, and it it just didn't give me what I thought I wanted. Whenever you date rich men, there is a lot of expectation that comes with it, and you are treated like what you are, which is a trophy. And you are not can I given say, the respect. Can I interject? Of course. I, married, I didn't marry. I dated a rich man. And once I thought to myself, I'm going to stand, and it was in New York City, I'm going to stand on this corner until he realizes I'm not walking with him anymore. And it was a long time I was standing on that corner. It's They're very right. involved. In, but it's it's attractive, right? It's attractive in some sense. But then they don't value you as of course. Well, because you are what you are. You are someone who is dependent on them and you are a plaything. Mm -hmm. And so um, I couldn't reconcile the two. I am a very strong character, a very strong, independent woman. But I also recognize that if I was going to be, you know, if I was going to marry a rich man or continue to be dependent on a man, well, there were many things that I would have to sacrifice to take from him. So that's a kind of that is kind of where my belief structure, I guess, was built. But then I guess what happened was. I had gone out to work. I was working in my mom's company and then I had started working. Um, I'd actually launched, just started my own company, which was in the field of um, personal development, human development. And I was traveling back and forth from America a lot. And then I um, I was introduced to Ryan, my my husband now, and I, I enrolled him in this. It was like an NLP training. I enrolled him in this NLP training that I was running. And we ended up falling head over heels for each other. And so I I met him on the 23rd of January. And then I found out that I was pregnant. No, I didn't find out I was pregnant. Actually, I got pregnant and I didn't know I got pregnant on the 13th of February. Wow. So like literally less about three weeks later. And then I found out I was pregnant. Um, I think about another five weeks after that in April. So I only met Ryan at the end of January. And then I found out I was pregnant in April and I was seven weeks pregnant. And so then I was kind of thrown like this, oh my God, like I, you know, I, 
I, I, I just started this company and I really wanted to work, but now I find myself pregnant. How the hell am I going to look after myself whenever, you know, and pay for myself pregnant and run this company? And, you know, I'm going to have a baby in nine months. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the car one day, I was six months pregnant. And I said to Ryan, I was stressing about how long I was going to take off after the baby was born and all this kind of stuff. And he said the, the magic words to me. He said to me, I don't care if you never work another day in your life. I It would be my pleasure to take care of you and our children financially. And I think those are kind of the words that every woman wants to hear at some point, or maybe it was just me. I don't know. And probably there's some women listening to this going, no, I would never want to hear those words from a man. So those were the, that, those were the words that I heard. And I just then thought, because his mother had never worked, his dad had always worked. That, that was the, the role model he'd been given was that the woman, he was happy to go out and work and provide and the woman would stay home and look after the children. And so given that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this stay at home mum shit a shot right so uh, we had the baby i you know i cooked and cleaned and, and i and like i love keeping house i grew up in the country beside my grandmother my mom is an excellent housekeeper and mother and provider for the family and so i had definitely had good role models and so i we had Corey, and then 17 months later we had kai and then i had a miscarriage actually and then maya came along uh, she was two and a half years after Kai and then Jack came along only 20 months after Maya. So we just like had baby after baby after baby. Did you want um, No, only one of them was planned, honestly. But then I, I kind of did want Maya when after I had the miscarriage, which wasn't uh, planned. Wow. Uh, then I was like, I kind of wanted to get pregnant again. So I did want to get have get pregnant with the third. But then whenever Maya was only 13 months, I inadvertently got pregnant with Jack. And I really, I wasn't happy about being pregnant, but of course now Jack is 11 and he's the youngest. So I'm, I'm, I'm obviously delighted that, you know, that he's there. So I guess what happened then, a very, very long winded answer to your question was I find myself a stay at home mom to four kids under four. It was massively busy. It was, you know, obviously there was a lot of cooking, cleaning, laundry, taking care of the kids. And, you know, Ryan was brought up very traditionally. And so he literally did nothing. Nothing around the house, nothing with the kids, nothing. His jo- He saw his job as I go out and earn the money and I, that, you know, then that buys me my freedom to do whatever I want. I also bought into that because that's what was modeled for me and my family. So so every time like I asked Ryan to do something for me, he would act like he was bestowing some great favor upon me because he went to collect his children, you know? And, and so I think that's- I'm the same. I think that's why I was attracted to you in the first place because I think I heard something once on a podcast, but it's the same. It was like, I heard someone's husband- woke up in the night with their children and fed the babies. I'm like, who does that? No, that never happened in my house ever. <laughs> never. I'm like my husband would sleep right through the night and go to work in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, no I can honestly say <laughs> Ryan never, ever in our in never got up in the night to any of our four children ever. He I breastfed them all, but they all would have taken a bottle. So he never did a night feed, never did a bottle feed, never did an evening feed. Never. You know, once I put my son over, he was screaming and I put placed my son over my husband's sleeping head and just let him scream. He did not stir, but the dog would whimper and he was up to let the dog out. <laughs> so funny. It's like they're, they're just switched roles, off to it. Right? Set roles. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. And so I think what happened then was because I, it's great though. And the reason why I'm telling this story is because I struggled so much that, and Ryan was so unhelpful. And we've worked through a lot of that now, by the way, our relationship, we have really transformed our relationship now. Um, so he is the best man I've ever met in my life. He truly is. I actually love him more now than I've ever loved him in my entire life. So oh, that's good. that says a lot for our relationship and the kind of man he is. But um, I think the struggle with having the four kids and having not a lot of help really made me determined. Like I wanted more. I wanted more than what I had. And the problem as well was because Ryan was the one who was responsible for earning the money, I had to go to him and I would be like, you know, if we were going on vacation, he really got to decide where we went. And if I would be like, can we not fly business? You know, he's from Australia. So we had to fly home and see his family all the time in Australia. Not all the time, but every two years we went. The more kids we had, the more difficult it became to fly economy to Australia with all these kids. And I would say, can we not just fly business? He would like, I am not paying that that money to fly business. He just didn't see that it was worth it. It's not that we couldn't have afforded it. We could have, it would it would have been expensive. It would have been a push for us, but we could have afforded it. But Ryan's value, it, highest value was not comfort in that way. It didn't really matter to him to be sitting in 
an economy because I did most of the work with the four kids setting an economy. He watched movie he after reading. movie after movie. He would just watch movie after movie after movie. And I literally never got to watch a movie or read a page of a book the entire 36 hours of the travel. Oh, so of course great. he wasn't going to fly business because it wasn't important to him. So I find myself constantly bumping up against Ryan's values. My values are I love to take care of people. I love to spoil them. I love, I always you say I'm a luxury so lover. I love to be generous. It's in my nature. And Ryan is not that way. He's naturally careful with money. He wants to build intergenerational wealth. He likes to save his money. Whereas I'm a spender, he's a saver. So our values kept kept banging up against each other because he was the one who earned the money. So therefore he was the one who controlled the money. So I never had any say really as to where, how, or, you know, where the money was spent apart from, you know, how it was spent in the house. And so one day I was just, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this. I want to make my own money because I, to me, money represented freedom. Ryan used to say to me, you know, or not say to me, but in he made it very clear, like if you earned the money, you could make the decisions, but you don't. I do. So therefore I get to make the decisions. So I was like, okay, so what it takes to have to, to be free around here is that you have to earn the money. So I was like, well, I'm going to earn the money. And one day I'm going to be able to say to Ryan, well, I earn more money than you. So actually, I don't have to do that thing or it's your turn. And I really, there was a part of me, Kathy, as well, really wanted to punish him. What really wanted, I wanted to be more wealthy than him so that I could say, you know what, sweetheart, your turn. You always said whoever earns the most money has the most freedom. And he did actually believe that. And we're very up upfront with each other. So, you know, we always say the things that you're not supposed to say. So, he, he did say that to me at one point and I just, and I, so I wanted to be able to say that to him. You know what? Now I earn more money than you. You actually um, have to do all the work in the house. But here's the thing that happened. Once I started earning more money than him, he still acted like he was the king of the house. And I, we had to do a hell of a lot to work through that because even though I, even when I was earning quadruple what he was earning and he earns a lot of money and even when I was earning like far, far more, he still acted as if it was his money and that he was the one who was responsible for saving the money and putting the money here and putting the money there. He still acted like he was king of the house. And so we had to we had to really bust through a lot of his beliefs, I guess, um, and a lot of mine as well. It's not definitely not all his his responsibility by any means. Uh, but we had to work through a lot of those. But that was my that was my primary like, Did you work through that reason. together or did you go to therapy? No, we've, we've been in therapy for three years now. This so, is yeah. very, very close. Other than me earning multi-millions like you are, <laughs> this sounds very familiar to me. And I'm sure a lot of women feel the same. Because I remember even once the visa coming in and my husband's like, why did you buy this? I'm like, because I need it. <laughs> and it's, it was, well, we didn't budget for that. But a new driveway was done the next day because he chose where the money was spent, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a new driveway is important to him. Mm -hmm. So I think that was, then that was the biggest thing that I wanted. And that was the biggest injustice that I saw in in our marriage and in many marriages, I guess, for for women. It's, they give up a lot of their value because it's, and it's, we can't blame the men. We can't blame our husband because we live in a society that places your kind of grades your importance as a human being on how much money you earn. The more money you earn, the more important you are, the more valuable you are to society. And so women, stay-at-home moms who earn no money, really are not seen as valuable in any way. Yes, we all know they're valuable because they're raising the kids, but it's definitely seen as a very, very lower, lower level job. And let me tell you, now that I am in the position that I am in, I I have people, you know, Oh my God, my, the amount of, it's funny how people treat me now in comparison to how they used to treat me whenever I was a stay-at-home mom. And let me tell you, yes, I have built this big company, but am I am any more valuable as a human being? No, I'm exactly the same person as I was. But yet I'm treated far, far, far differently now than I was whenever I was a stay-at-home mom. So yeah, so that was my, that was my, that was what I, that was my reason why, um, and then I, yeah, I just worked my, I just worked my ass off. I just got up super early and I, I so did this idea of the sculpted vegan just come to you out of no, like, how did it come to you? Because there's so much fitness online and there's so much. And I remember, I know this because we've spent time together and you've mentored me. So I know this, the story, but I want my listeners to understand that, you know, there was a lot of trial and error at first. And then 
let's talk about how you landed and found the gap with, with um, the route that you took. Well, I think, first of all, the most important thing to understand is that the reason I was finally successful is because I never gave up. I wasn't chasing the big idea. I wasn't chasing, um, I wasn't, I was looking for a business idea, but what I was looking for or what I wanted to create with my business was I, I wanted freedom. So that thing I just talked about, like wanting, wanting to be able to make my life easier for me was actually a massive motivating factor in the beginning. You know, I, like I said, I used to walk in, we used to walk into the airplane to go to Australia every other year. And we constantly turned right to go to economy. And I would look at business class and I would say, one day we're flying first class one day. And I just got goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And he would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. On you go. And then we would, you know, two or three years later, we would go and I would look at business class and I would say, one day we're going to be flying business. And he used to be like, Kim, you're living in a dreamland. Keep going. Come on, keep moving. There's people behind us. Um, And so that, and uh, there, there was a, that was always a dream of mine was to be able to fly business. And also my parents-in-law, we flew them over every other year from Australia and they're getting older every year. And they used to arrive half dead after that flight. You know, it was a really, really hard flight for them. And I wanted to be able to fly them first class as well, you know, so that they could arrive, you know, they could fly comfortably and they wouldn't mind coming. Not that they mind coming, they loved it, but it's a hard journey for them. You know, my my father-in-law, he'll be 80 next year in 2024. So it was a, it was getting to be a harder journey and his health isn't great anyway. So to go back to your question, uh, how did it happen? I, the, first of all, if you want to be successful, you have to want it so badly. You can taste it, feel it, imagine it, dream it. Like I, I wanted it so badly. I wanted to fly first class to Australia. That was my main motivation. Flying first class, not even first class, business class would have done. That was my main motivation. Uh, and that is what kept me going in the beginning. And so whenever after Jack was born and I, I was literally drowning in children because my, my oldest child, Jack was born in October. My oldest child didn't turn six until November. So I had four children under the age of five, effectively. That's crazy. It was, it was nuts. It was, I don't know how I did it either. It was just an, an impeccable source of time. I just had to be, you know, I just had to be so um, good with time management, but also just really, really, really strong emotionally and physically, you know, to so be able taking to taking care of these everything. children. How did you find the time to build an online course? Well, what I did first of all, because don't forget I, the sculpted vegan didn't happen for a few years later. So it wasn't actually didn't happen then after Jack was born. I remember I decided that I was going to start some kind of business online. I was going to figure out a way that I could earn money that wasn't that didn't take me away from my children. And so I started researching ways to make money online. I literally went on to Google and I this is 11 years ago. I literally went on to Google and I was like how to make money online. And what came up was ebooks. You can write an ebook, you can sell an ebook. And then I started I remember like you know reading on how to write and sell an ebook online and then someone was talking about upsells. I was like, "Oh, what's an upsell?" And an upsell was, you know, at the time what still is, but when you buy, you know, you sell someone something and then on the thank you page you give them something else. I was like, "Oh, this sounds exactly what I'm going to write an ebook. This is what I'm going to do. And then I was like, oh, what's a blog? Oh, I've just figured out what a blog is. So I thought, I'm going to blog and I'm going to blog every day for a year to teach myself how to blog. So I started, I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to earn money and it was probably going to be online. And I was just going to, I was just going to figure it out. So every single day when I had a minute, whether it be in the evening or whether it be at lunchtime or whether it be early in the morning or when the kids were sleeping or whatever, I started researching how to make money online. I started researching blogs and eBooks and websites. And I built my own blog website on WordPress and it was called Lip Gloss Entrepreneurs. Lip gloss entrepreneurs, like what? It was like, you have to call it something. I was like, oh, okay, what am I going to call? I don't, don't ask me why I came up with that. So um, that was my first ever blog that I started, uh, Lip Gloss Entrepreneurs. I actually think if you Google Lip Gloss Entrepreneurs, you can still find it. All my real really? early, okay, Kathy's, I'm gonna like, that. Kathy's gonna go look for it. Um, Kim Constable, Lip Gloss Entrepreneurs. And so I started writing a blog, but I'm the kind of person who, when I commit to something, I'm like, I'm going to commit to this and see see where this goes. And so I thought I'm going to I'm going to write a blog post every day for a year. I'm going to commit to doing one post every day for one year. And I did. 
I didn't miss a thing. You're so consistent with everything that you do. You say you're going to do something and you just do it to like, yes, the 200th percent. If there is, you train yourself to be that way though. And that's the problem with most people is they, they don't commit to their inner word. They don't say I'm going to do this thing and then do it. So sometimes my blog was only like five sentences long. Sometimes it was just a paragraph. Sometimes it was just something like a quote I'd pulled offline and I'd like talked a little bit about, but I just started to express myself and my values online with that blogging. I blogged every single day for a year. Did anything ever come of it? No, but it taught me the value of consistency. I learned about mailing lists. I learned about copywriting. I learned about how to write stuff that was entertaining and engaging because I was constantly trying to grow my blog and grow my following and and do all this. And so it, it, but just by, I always say to people, when you want to do something, just start, start imperfectly, start before you're ready, just start because once you're doing it, then you'll start to learn and you'll start to look for better ways to better yourself. And that's how all the, the learning happens. So that is, that is how it all started. I, I then decided um, that I was going, I was constantly looking for a business that I could start. So I started a business called the Work at Home Moms Network because I had run a few semi-successful, like, businesses from home as a portrait artist, as a, an audio typist, as different things while the kids were were young and while you know I was having more and more children. So I was like, I'm going to teach other moms how they can make money from home. So I started that as a business. I launched it, the Work at Home Moms Network. Um, spectacular failure. Had no idea how to sell, had no idea how to market, had no idea really how to hit pain points. I used to market it as, you know, helping moms, you know, earn more money so they can spend more time with their family. You know what, Kathy, you've heard me say this before. No fucking mother wants to, sorry, I'm terrible potty mouth. No mother <laughs> That's wants okay. to I'm gonna spend. I'm going to have a disclaimer. My guest yes. today is Irish. <laughs> that was the first F word. I'm sorry. But no mother wants to spend more time with her children. Stay at home moms want to earn money so they can hire housekeepers and nannies and go for massages. So I was like marketing. But you did that, that could spend trial and error though, right? A lot yes. of how many years you say, I remember you saying that you're an eight year overnight success. Yes. So the sculptor, I started foraying into the world of, of, um, writing audiobooks when Jack was born. He was born in 2011. I launched the sculpted vegan in 2017. So it's so, what was yeah. that? 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, five years. It took me five years of trying and failing online to finally launch the sculpted vegan. And it was that, but it was the five years of groundwork that I had put into learning Facebook ads, buying courses when I could afford to, um, you know, uh, reading and researching and studying and, and building websites and and doing, you know, learning about mailing lists and yeah, it, all five things. years of groundwork before I finally found the Sculpted Vegan. So whenever I saw the idea for the Sculpted Vegan, which was I decided that I was going to be a bodybuilder and I searched online for a program that I could purchase because I'd been in the online world for a long time studying the likes of Amy Porterfield and James Wedmore and, and Marie Forleo. And I've been studying them all. So I knew that these courses online existed that could teach you how to have this specific result. So whenever I went online looking for a vegan bodybuilding program that would give me the specific result I was looking for, I was just convinced that someone online would already have done it. So I went online looking for this program to purchase it. I was willing to spend up to about $2,000 and it didn't exist. So because of the experience I had had in building online or trying to build online businesses, I realized there was a massive gap in the market and a big opportunity for someone to create a scalable business model for a vegan bodybuilder because there were other vegan bodybuilders offering like coaching and that kind of stuff, but there was nobody offering a scalable business model. And by that, I mean that you create a program once and then sell it over and over and over and over again. So your time is not dependent or, you know, you're not creating a, creating a, something which costs money every time you make it, or you're not giving up your time in a coaching situation, uh, you could create yeah, you do it once, you sell it multiple over. times. That's it. So leverage. So I realized that nobody had created, nobody had taken fitness. So basically what I did was because I'd been studying business models, I thought I was going to start a business, some kind of business coaching program. What I realized was, no, the fitness industry has not crossed over. No one in the fitness industry is doing is doing the is is doing it the way the business industry is doing it online. No one in the fitness industry is doing it that way. They're just creating one-off little programs or doing coaching and stuff, but no one has actually looked at the business model and applied it to fitness. And so I was the first person to do it. And then of course everyone know, has copied. They've caught up sense. now. You're, yeah, yeah. They've caught but up I was the now, first, but you were. And you yeah. forgot to mention one thing though, which is very what? important. You love muscles. And you didn't love the other ideas that you had, right? Yes. There has to be some sort of a passion 
in there as well. And the, the same consistency that you brought to building the Sculpted Vegan, you brought to your own self by building your body and you shared that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's why it was successful was because I solved my own problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I had, and not only did I solve my own problem, but I loved muscles, as you say. I always loved muscles from I was a young girl. You know, I loved Linda Hamilton in Terminator. And me too. Had, that first scene with her gun. Oh, I was like, how is she so lean and so awesome looking? <laughs> I know. And actually, what I realize now is she was just extremely low on body fat. She didn't even have, you know, her muscles weren't even that big. She was just had very, very, very low body fat. But yeah, that's so I did love muscles. And so it was easy for me. But what you have to remember is as I built the Sculpted Vegan, I was I was on, I was doing and then I was teaching. So as I was doing, I was teaching. As I learned, I taught. As I learned, I taught. As I learned, I taught. So I was constantly learning. And as I was constantly learning, I was constantly teaching it to others. And that's the best type of business you can you can own because as you learn, you naturally want to share that knowledge with others. And then you can build an audience of people who want to hear that knowledge. And that's how the Sculpted Vegan became so successful so quickly, because it wasn't just like a, a project where I was like, oh, I've had this really great idea. And, you know, like you were in my program, my my um, million dollar mentor mastermind program. And so I people kept asking me how they could build businesses online. And so I decided to to create this coaching company called the Million Dollar Mentor and, you know, and, and coach people on how to build a business like mine. And we only operated for a year. And in one year, we made $1.6 million. So know, it was see, like... But Kim, that's what attracted me to you. So I followed you for a really long time. But I want to talk about why I also think you're successful. Um, but I followed you for a really long time. I bought your butt camp. And for the first time in my life, my butt... like you don't promise things that you don't deliver. That's the one thing, like your programs are so robust. They're such a value. Like when I realized I only paid $97 for this program and my bum just became this beautiful peach. I even remember the pizza delivery guy. I ordered pizza for the kids. And it was like after a month or maybe six weeks of the butt camp, it was near the end. But I or I opened the door and I got a double take from this kid at the front. Like that's never, ha- I'm 50. Like that's never happened. Like those days were long gone. The double takes were like, and this was a young kid. And he was like, eh, your, your programs, one, deliver results. And they're, they're I'm going to swear, they're fucking hard. But yes. you, even if you do it half-assed, you will still get results because your programs are so robust and they are just intense. And you deliver what you say, you deliver on the promise. So that's also why. I'm not, I'm not afraid to make people work hard. I think that's the difference. I think, um, because I'm such a hard worker and I'm not afraid to do the hard thing projectively, I just say to people, you know, I'm just like, well, you're just going to have to work really, really hard if you want it. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But if you want it, here's what it takes to get. And I'm not afraid to make them work hard. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, if you're comfort driven, if you're a comfort driven person yourself, you won't want to make your clients work too hard because projectively you won't want them to feel uncomfortable because you don't like to feel uncomfortable. Whereas I love feeling uncomfortable. I love doing the hard thing. So therefore I just assume that everybody who's doing my program also loves to do the hard thing. (laughs) And if they don't, well, necessarily (laughs) love doing the hard thing, but I like getting results. So I'm willing to do what it takes to get the result. But also I wanted to touch on, you are yourself, like you swear you are online showing like your cosmetic procedures, like that threading video freaked me out. But I think that's another reason why, because I help my clients with branding and authenticity, I say is the number one thing, but a lot of people are afraid to show up the way that you show up. And I really think that's why you've been successful as well, because you're not afraid. You don't care. You just show, this is how it is. This is how friggin' hard it is to do the work. This is, you know, I want to look better. This is what I'm doing. You're just authentically you. Yeah. Do you know where that came from though? No, that's why I'm asking. I brought this up. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's about developing, um, a really strong sense of self-awareness. So it's something that I practice day in, day out. If something moves me, I take note of it. If something makes me feel good, I take note of it. If something makes me cry, I take note of it. If some if something brings up any kind of emotion in my body, I ask, oh, or I go, that's interesting. Why is that? Or how did that happen? Or what is it about this that caused me to feel this way? And so what I realized was the people who 
were vulnerable and the people who I really felt that that I could relate to were the ones that I would have followed to the end of the earth. And so I would ask myself, well, what is it about this person that I love, but not this person? Why does this person make me feel comfortable or like I can trust them and not this person? So I began to kind of dissect as to what it was. And it's not that I, I, I of course, I am a very honest person. That, that makes it sound like some kind of strategy that I, some kind of dishonest strategy that I developed. Oh, be really honest. So, you know, be dishonestly honest so that people can really like you. It's not like that. It was more that I realized in the beginning, whenever I was trying to build my businesses, my business business, I would have been a much more acted in a way that I thought people would want to see or acted in a way that I thought was appropriate, you know, for what I was doing rather than just being me. And but then what I realized was whenever I saw other people being super vulnerable or other leaders being super vulnerable or um, just showing like online, for example, if a if a someone I admired and followed kind of pulled back the curtain and and you know showed me something they were doing or said you know a lot of people think that I do my own copywriting but I don't and um, here's why I don't do my own copywriting because I have this person this person here's this person does I'd be like oh wow like I would have more respect for that person that for revealing the fact that they didn't do their own copywriting and here was why and so I began to realize the people that I had the most respect for and the people that I showed up to listen to time and time and time again were the ones who were completely and utterly upfront and honest. And you never felt like there was um, like a back, like a back door to them. You never were really wondering if, you know, if there was something they were hiding. And so I realized, shit, if I'm just authentically me and I just say, I don't know when I don't know. Um, there's a great story actually that really influenced me. And it's not one that I told. Um, it was a uh, Sir Ken Robinson who recently passed away. I was listening to one of his, um, he passed away a few years ago. I was listening to one of his talks years ago. I don't know whether it was a TED talk or whether it was just an interview online, but he talks about being in a room uh, listening to the Dalai Lama one day, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And he said that they were in this massive big room and and um, people were asking His Holiness the question, different questions and he was answering them. And he said, and somebody asked this really profound question um, of the Dalai Lama. And he said he, uh, so this person asked the question, he said, the Dalai Lama kind of put his you know hand over his mouth and looked to the sky for a second and they looked very pensive. We went quiet for a second. He said, and then he sat back in his chair, still kind of looking up to the sky and maybe tapping the side of his mouth, looking like he was thinking. He said, and then he leant forward into the microphone. He said, and the whole audience leant forward, waiting for this profound piece of wisdom that the Dalai Lama was going to, to, to give them. And the Dalai Lama leaned forward and he leaned into the microphone and he said, I don't know. And then he leaned back again away from the microphone. And he said, and everybody in the audience was like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, you're the Dalai Lama for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Like, how can you not know? And he said, Sir Ken Robinson said it was a really profound moment for him because he realized it's okay to say, I don't know. And actually, when you say you don't know, it makes it okay for other people to say they don't know. Because what the biggest thing, the biggest problem we suffer from, Kathy, is people believe that it's not okay for them to be them. They believe that they have to hide. We're brought up with a lot of shame. Anyone who listens to Brene Brown will know a lot about shame, but we're brought up with a lot of shame and a lot of punishment and a lot of um, rejection and many times as well. So we believe that it's not okay for us to be us. And so we want to hide parts of ourselves. We want to bring our best selves to the table. Like how many times when you left the house would your, would your mother have said, mind your manners and, you know, don't talk with your mouth full or she would have given you like, you know, Exchange your under- make sure your underwear yes. are clean. <laughs> Make sure your underwear is clean in case you get into an accident. I'm like, if I'm in an accident, like big enough that they're going to be checking my underwear, I think that's probably the last thing I'm going to be thinking about. But um, so I think that we're brought up with a lot of shame. And so whenever we see someone that we look up to, someone who's a leader, just being like failing, completely failing miserably and just saying they don't know and you know, laughing and joking and just being themselves, it makes us feel better about us being ourselves, gives us permission to be that way too. And I I think also get a lot of backlash because I remember, I don't know if we spoke about this once in the mastermind or if this was online, but you said that, you know, like the vegan community came after you because technically you're plant-based because you still, you show all your leather bags and your leather shoes. And like, how not let that bother you like how do you how do you show all the things that you're doing to improve yourself because you're 
you're strong in yourself and you're self-aware and you're strong in your opinion of yourself and your family's opinion of you. And you, but how do you deal? Like sometimes that's got to hurt. It doesn't hurt. No, no. And you've actually just answered your own question um, in that it is that I feel so strong within myself. Um, what what you will, what one thing you'll always understand about me is I know exactly why I do everything. I don't say yes to things that I don't want to do. I don't agree to things that don't support my value. I don't like this podcast interview. I haven't done a podcast interview in I know you're going to make me cry because I was so like, I know over a year. I'm not even getting over a year. I haven't done a podcast interview over there is I have refused every single podcast interview. I haven't podcasted. We had to get my microphone out of the storeroom here in the office. Your podcast isn't like you've stopped the podcast. I just ran out of time. I I just ran out. It's a lot of work to do it for me because of the way I teach it. And it just what I had to choose between different values. And it just wasn't, it just, it, it just, I was going to to invite you to come with me to Vegas for my 50th birthday. And I thought, I don't know. She's, I have to, like, she doesn't have time for an hour podcast interview. Can she take a whole let me in. I'm not vaccinated. They won't let me in. The USA won't let you in if you're not vaccinated. So unfortunately still not otherwise i probably would have gone to vegas <laughs> oh i love you Kim. thank but, you for saying that. I, oh i love you too but that's why i did this podcast because i know exactly why i'm doing it and i i know exactly you know you supported me and and trusted me and and you know in in my mastermind and the business i was running so i want to support you and what you're doing you know so i'm always very clear on, on what i'm why i'm doing what i'm doing and so therefore whenever you're very very clear i'm very clear on why i'm plant-based i know why i wear leather it's not a disintegration for me it's not a Oh yes, I'm vegan or I'm plant-based, but and I it's you know, but I really like carrying leather handbags and wearing wool and I'm I'm not sure why it's okay to be that way and it's not so I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist and like shove it in a box over there and if anyone asks me I'm just going to go, well because, okay? Because because I say so. That's what most people do whenever they're not sure of the reasons they get defiant or they get defensive. So when people say to me, why is it that you they go, oh you're not vegan, you're plant-based and I say, yeah, that's true. And they say, well, why Why is it okay? Do you know that animals die so you can have that leather Chanel handbag? And I say, yeah, yeah, I know. And they're like, and it doesn't bother you? I'm like, well, of course it bothers me that animals die, but the animal wasn't killed for the leather handbag. The animal was actually killed for its meat. And the leather, the leather handbag is a byproduct, byproduct. of the meat. Yeah. And then they go, well, that's not a valid reason. And I go, okay. I'm so sorry know, that my so, reasons aren't good enough for you. <laughs> but don't you find, Kim, after COVID, everyone is so opinionated and so divisive lately. Like you're either on this side or this side. There's no in between. There's no like, mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's discuss. Let's have a conversation. Let's, you know, but no, it's like, if you're not this, then you're this and you're wrong. I think it's because we don't have community anymore. We used to have communities, whereas the communities that exist, exist online. Um, And so it's very easy to be, you know, to hide behind a keyboard and to not really be your true self. Whenever you have to stand and look someone in the face and tell them you're wrong, your opinions are wrong, you are wrong as a person. It's very difficult. It's very easy for someone in an anonymous Instagram comment to, you know, state their true feelings because they don't have to be, they don't actually have to actually look the person in the eye and come up you know, confront their own conscience and their own morality whenever they are, you know, shaming or punishing someone. It doesn't feel good to shame or punish someone. Usually your conscience usually kicks in and, you know, do you ever shout at your kids and then you feel guilty a couple of hours later? You're like, fuck, I was really yeah, bad. Shit, was mother. And then you go in and you're like, I'm sorry. Yes. I wasn't my best self. I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean it, you know. But people don't have that opportunity online. They just, you know, they just go around like, you know, psst, psst. Like just like like a kettle letting off steam, you know, just like suffering, you know, all of their discomfort over everybody. And so we don't have these communities anymore. People don't meet in community halls. Well, they do, of course, but not as much in churches and community halls and centers. And you know, and so therefore Even we're the missing home, that like there used aspect. to be more. Like you said, you live next to your grandmother. There used to be more even family interaction in your town. Now right. people live so far away from each other. I know it's so different. That's why I I believe that we're, we're living in such a weird and divisive time is because we don't have that sense of community anymore. So we're not seeing people as human beings. We're not, you know, in order to truly, you know, understand someone, you have to, you know, you may feel like upset and go, oh, Kim said this and she blah, 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 whatever. And I'm really annoyed with her. And your husband may have been in my shoes in the same situation before. And he may say, well, like, I can understand like that probably wasn't the best choice she made right there. But, you know, 
I know what it's like to run a company and and to have all those people dependent on you. And maybe she was having a bad day because she's, you know, worried about money or, you know, you can see different reasons for why that may be so, but we don't, we don't have that anymore because we're not interacting with people as much. So we're not hearing their stories and they're having that deep sense of empathy, seeing their suffering, which is what essentially makes you human. When you see another person suffering, it, it, reminds you of your own humanity. And so therefore you're less likely to punish others because you naturally feel more empathetic, but we're becoming more and more and more and more separated from people and from other human beings. So we're becoming much more cut off from our emotions, which I I think is why people are becoming more divisive, but also we're like, we're searching for meaning. You know, people don't have to work as hard as they used to work. Everyone wants to be an influencer. Like nobody wants to actually get a real job these days and like a trade or we see it here in Northern Ireland. So there's like a job crisis here in Northern Ireland, especially after Brexit. Like there's nobody to work in the restaurants. There's nobody to do the jobs that all the Eastern Europeans too. used to do. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. So I think that's part of it too. It's We're living in a weird time. But here's the thing. People always say to me, Kim, you're not worried. You're not worried about you know the times we're living in. I'm like, no, I'm not worried at all because time the one the change is the only constant. And what goes up must come down. And and human beings have always figured out a way to get through it. <laughs> you know, with every single stage that happens, we evolve and we change and we figure out a way forward. And so there's no point worrying about it. You may as well just go with it, not fight it because it is what it is. You can't change it. On my 50th birthday, I came up with a I so I had 50 things to do before I turned 50. And then I came up with a fuck it list. Ah, I love that. So good. Do you have a fuck it list as you grow? Are there things that you've found that have fallen away? Not consciously, I don't think. Um, I think probably if you asked me the biggest change in me since I'm 43. Now, the biggest change in me, I guess, since I started running business, became successful and moved into my 40s. I don't know whether it's a combination of all three or whether it's one thing isolated, but certainly one thing I have learned is to just allow people to be who they are without trying to change them. Like I accept people 100% for who they are, what they want to be and what they want to see in the world. And whenever I was younger, I definitely would have felt that I had some kind of moral obligation to show people the error of their ways and how they could be better and how they could, you know, have more, be more, all those things. And it was only because I was so hungry myself and I am still so hungry myself for success, but certainly um, I would never believe that I know what's better for someone than they know for themselves. Um, I think it's timing as well, right? Everyone reaches a certain point at a certain time in their life and you can't force them to even though or you're not, trying to be helpful. Or not, or not. Or not. That's the thing. Or not. You know, they they do or they don't. But just because it's, it's you know, I'm thinking specifically of my husband. Like I had to just learn over the years to accept him for who he was. And then whenever I decided I wasn't going to accept him for who he was, well, I was going to accept him, but it came a point in our marriage where, you know, I was earning a lot more money than him. And I really felt like I needed him to take on more responsibility because not only was I earning all the money, I was, you know, we have a housekeeper, a team of housekeepers. We have a chef, we have, you know, trainers. And we like, we literally live like a fucking, like the Kardashians, you have no idea. <laughs> so, and only because, you know, I want, I wanted it to be set up that way. And so, but we came, there came a point where I was earning all the money and looking after the kids and looking after the housekeepers and the chefs. I was running the house, running the business, running everything. And I and I said to him, either you need to grow or we need to separate because I I am I'm at a point now where I I can't go on like this. And so um I accepted him up until a point where I couldn't accept him anymore. And then I gave him a choice. I was like, either I accept you 100 percent for who you are, but if you want to stay in the marriage with me, you have to change. And if you don't, it's going to be painful and hard, but I will accept that too. And he chose to grow, you know, he chose to to stay. He went to therapy. We went to couples therapy. We worked our way through it and he chose to grow. But I had 100% accepted and would have been sad if he had said, no, I don't want to go. In fact, no, there's n- I knew he was never going to say it because marriage is the most important thing to Ryan. His family is the most important thing. So I knew that he was going to choose to grow with me. But it did reach that point where I was like, it's it's me or it's it's us or it's not, you know. So just choosing to let people be who they are has been probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I've I've learned to do um in my life and probably the most transformative for my relationships too. It's been great. But that's really it, I think. I'm so sad because now our time has come to an end. I know. Another I five minutes. Speak maybe. to you forever. I just I miss having having these conversations. Oh, we with had you. Such There's so time. much to learn from you. You're such an an amazing human. And I am so grateful that you had come, you are in my life in a, in a small way, but 
such a pleasure to know you, Kim Constable, and I wish you continued, continued success because when good people make money, they do amazing things. And you, I like, you just deserve the world because you are the most kindest, generous person I know. You are so sweet. Thank you so much. I always, like I met whenever the first time we ever met, I did say to you, oh my God, you and I could be best friends. Do you remember <laughs> when we had that first Zoom call? I was like, you are my kind of girl. Like I just, I knew we were, um, I knew that we were very similar and I'm sorry that we don't see more of each other or speak more, but you know, you can always reach out to me anytime. You know, I'm always here for you. And I'm so grateful for you and thank you. So I just want to wrap up because I ask all the podcast is align and hustle and you are the epitome. You aligned with what you wanted and you did the work and you took action. What does aligned mean to you? Aligned, I guess, to me means um, integrity. I always say that someone is integrated when their behavior matches their beliefs. So I always find that when you believe something and it is a it's a high value of yours, like say I don't lie or I don't steal or I always treat people with kindness and then your behavior matches that belief. It's not like sometimes I'm kind to people and sometimes I'm not, like it depends what mood I'm in. Then I find that you are in true alignment with your values um, and with who you are as a person. The more integrated a person is, the more aligned they are, and the faster they will move towards towards their destiny. I guess towards their purpose. So that's what it means for me. Are you are you living your purpose? Do you feel you're living your purpose? Hundred percent. I believe I'm hurtling towards what I was destined to do in life. You are just. You have this hundred percent aligned. Coming in. You have this calm about you now. I haven't spoken to you in about a year. You Mm. have this calm. There's something you just seem maybe integrated is the word, but you just seem a little. You just seem like you're. I am. I am. I definitely. I continue to evolve and grow for sure. Um, and. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I am. That's true. Actually, that's true what you said. I definitely do feel a lot more, uh, a lot less frantic these days. You know, things in the business are great. Everybody run. I basically, honestly, Kathy, I do so little in my business. Now I have this beautiful office that you can see behind me. Um, That's new. This is my new office. Yeah. So it's like, this is, you can see it in the background here. Oh, I love it. We we bought a new building, a new office building. So I've decorated because, the whole because before you were in um in Ryan's I old building. I well, I was like, yes, in Ryan's old building. That's right. Yeah. So we bought this new building. We bought both floors, but we only actually use the bottom floor because the top floor is rented. Um, and so yes, yeah, so I here and I don't really do very much in the business. I have to be honest; it can completely run without me at the minute. So what do you do? I do? So little. That's what I ask myself sometimes. Uh, I'm the ideas girl. I spend all my all my time having meetings with people. So I meet with all my directors. I meet with all my key people. And I that is my time is spent meeting with them, um, actually just making answering all their questions and making sure the work is flowing. So um, that's what I literally spend my time having meetings now. But we're also launching a new business next year, um, Only Fitness, which is a new app. And I've been building up. We've been 11 months in the making of building that. I just took on another new app developer. We have a full in-house app team now. Um, I just took on another new front end developer and we're launching only fitness next year, which is like a, um, it's like a social, what did I say to you earlier? It was, I still can't. You said it was a social marketplace. Social marketplace. It wasn't me. It was like an interviewer from Forbes. I was telling you, gave me that. He said, it's a social marketplace for, for fitness influencers or for fitness. I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. I'm going to use that. So only fitness is a social, um, it's a new app, basically, that we have, to, which is a merging of Instagram and Facebook in terms of its capabilities, but with the ability for people to put content behind a paywall, kind of like um, Upwork or Fiverr or people okay. or that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, but except it acts well, more like fitness. a social media platform, but you can advert, you can, you can market your PDFs or your programs or your, or your or photographs or workouts. You can upload them all to the platform and you can choose um, to charge for some or all of the content. It's completely up to you. So that it's kind million, of almost like that billion dollars is coming for you, Kim. It is. It <laughs> is. That's my billion dollar business, baby. Oh, it's coming. I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for you. I really, I just love, I love what you're becoming and who you're becoming and who you are. And oh, I could go on forever, but I know you have to go because I know you're. I have to take my daughter to the chiropractor. Yes. Yes. But thank you so much for having me. I really really appreciate it. And this has been so much fun. Okay. I'm going to go off. I'll probably edit this out, but thank you because this means the world to me. And I know, I know your time is valuable and I really, really appreciate this time that you took for me. I really do. 
it was my pleasure and don't edit this out this is perfect <laughs> it was uh, no it, honestly Kathy, it was my absolute pleasure it was a joy and a pleasure thank you for having me and let me know of course when it goes when it goes live so we can absolutely it as well okay good luck to you and your daughter today and thank you thank, thank you, you so thank much. you thank you again oh and okay. i wanted to ask you one thing what's a seven point facelift I don't even know. She just did it. I think it's like Botox in all these different areas and then and then filler and filler in your lips and your cheeks and your chin and I don't know, something else. So I, it wasn't I, surgical. It was all like filler. No, no, no. It was all fillers and threads and it wasn't even threads. Actually, if the, that it was all that was all fillers and Botox. But I looked like a chipmunk. I went on vacation the next day and I literally looked like a chipmunk. I was a my face felt not swole too badly, but it did swell when I was going on vacation. Oh my god! I went to the to the airport. And my mom was like, "Oh my god, what happened to you?" I was like, "Message her I was like, "I had a seven point facelift." Just so you know, I'm gonna look a wee bit swollen. Uh, I didn't look too bad, but I, yeah, uh, it wasn't a good idea to go on vacation straight after a seven point facelift. But sure, it's fine. Oh, you look fabulous. Thank okay. you so much. As do you. Okay, my darling. Have a great mm-hmm. day. I love, you. I love Thank you. you. Thank you so much. I I'll love talk you. To you okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Well, beauty, that's a wrap. I told you this was an fabulous conversation with Kim Constable, saving the best of the power series for last. If you found this episode inspiring, please let me know. DM me, DM Kim. Let us know what you thought. Let us know your key takeaways, your aha moments. And if you would like a summary in PDF download format of all the golden nuggets in this episode, please go to www.kathyspence.com forward slash subscribe. I am so grateful for you and I look forward to seeing you here again next Tuesday. Take care.